Hello and welcome to episode number 120 of Show Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney, and a great conversation heading your way today. Before we dive into it, gotta plug the social media at Show Squared and at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, on Twitter, at Show Squared, on Facebook. Give the show that shiny five-star review on Apple Podcasts and support the work that goes into this by going to chosquaredshop.bigcartel.com for the sickest t-shirt in the game to become a true Chell Razor. I'm the only person actively working on the show and any support at all is greatly appreciated. Chell Squared is a part of the Bruins Diehards Network as well as the Hockey Podcast. Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by DraftKings and Manscaped. Got some great things to tell you about both of them in just a little bit. Though I'm a full-time associate producer at SiriusXM, this podcast is not a failure of the company in any way. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone and may or may not reflect the views of SiriusXM. Joining Cho Squared today, is a legend, friend of the show, covers the Islanders for NYI Hockey. Now, awaiting word on whether or not he threw a beer can at his TV in solidarity with the fans at the Coliseum. Welcome back, Andy Graziano to the show. What's up, man? How have you been? Good, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate you hopping on. So let's get to the bottom of this here. It's game six after the Islanders got blown out. I mean that was a, that wasn't even a contest from the very beginning. Eight nothing demolition derby. What do you think Barry Trotz said in that locker room? Because the Islanders came out and they played well. I mean they play like the exact opposite of how they play in Game Five. Yeah, I, I don't think Trotz had to say much to be honest with you. I, I think you're kind of at the point of the season where. Barry Trotz and even uh, John Cooper are are kind of not. They don't need to do much rah rah. <laughs> These guys know what's at stake. They know what they need to do. Um, there's not any changes to the systems they play. It's basically all about the players getting the intensity up before they hit the ice. And so I, I'm not sure Trotz and Cooper have much to do with that. Um, we heard earlier prior to game six from Casey Sezikis, especially. And um, Casey's first basically words to us were, you know, I don't know who that team was, but you're going to see a much different team t- tonight. So I think the players I- internally knew what they had to do. They knew the embarrassment that they faced after game five. Um, and I think, you know, Trotz really didn't have to remind them of that, but the playoffs as we've seen become, you know, games unto themselves. It, it really is remarkable how, the, you know, in the playoffs, each game really is its own, in, in its own little compartment, right? I mean, we saw Vegas get blown out in game one, seven to one by Colorado, come back and win four straight. We here we see the Islanders get absolutely rickrolled eight nothing in game five. And they come back with an extremely proud and strong game last night to stretch the series to a seventh game. So um, I think one of the most amazing things about the NHL playoffs, and there are a lot of amazing things um, is, is that each game really is compartmentalized within itself. And 
You know, it's uh, short term memory, as they say. Um, as soon as that game ends, win or lose, you move on and you refocus to the next one. The Islanders were underdogs against the Penguins. Now, of course, the Penguins, you can argue that they lost the series themselves because of their not so great goaltending. Although yep. a lot of credit goes to the Islanders for winning the series, obviously. But also, if the Penguins had maybe a little bit of a better goaltending situation, that series could have gone a different way. But I, but either way, the Islanders won the series. Then they moved on to Boston, where they were again the underdog. And they said, we don't care about all of that. We're going to win the series. And they did. And here we are in the semis where they are heavy underdogs to this juggernaut of a salary cap team, (laughs) loophole team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they look like they were dead in the water after game five. They look like they were dead in the water after the second period of game six. And they dominated the third period. And then obviously they won overtime. What is it about this team? That no matter what happens, no matter what the 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 lines are and who's viewed how, what is it about this team that they just keep playing and play better than everybody thinks they will? I think everybody underestimates uh, the aura of resiliency that Barry Trotz has built for this club. Uh, I think that they never feel that they're out of a game. Um, they never feel that they're out of a series. They never feel that they're... You know, if you want to even compartmentalize it further, they never feel like they're out of a period. Um, and I think their ability to kind of just stick to their system, stick to their game plan, continue to play their game regardless of what's on the scoreboard um, is what's really underestimated by a lot of um, hockey folk in the media. I mean, if you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, they are the best team in the league until they're beaten. Right. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions. They have not lost back to back playoff games in the last two playoff seasons. 12 and 0 in that stretch. The Islanders simply don't care. They're playing a game seven as defending champs for the right to go to the cup at home where they're 26 and 10 this year, including the playoffs. The Islanders don't care. Super quick transition game, a deadly power play, great defense and arguably the best goaltender in the league. Once again, they simply don't care. They, they just continue to just roll forward and they know that when they're on their game, they can beat just about anybody. And I thought that last year, the series between these two teams was close. I really did. Um, outside of that first game where the Islanders lost eight to two, where they basically were playing on one day's rest and were in their fifth round because they had to play the play in round. Don't forget um, in the bubbles, the bubble playoffs. Um this year, I th- they, they're obviously even closer. Again, you take it the game five. That's an, that's just a simple anomaly. You just you have to that that was not who this team is. That's not who this team was through the first four games and in game six, obviously, as everybody has now seen. So that was just an absolute anomaly. I don't know what that night was. I don't know who that team was. I can't explain what happened. But it was clearly the anomaly because in the other five games in this series, you know, the Islanders have have stood toe to toe with the best team in the league and they've taken just as much as they've given. And I just think it's tenacity and the resiliency that Barry Trotz has instilled in them where, you know, they're just they're never out of a fight. They will just keep forechecking. They will keep taking the body. They will keep they will just keep coming and keep pressing. Um, until you make a mistake, right? And last night we saw that uh, down two nothing in the second period. 
they could have folded as they did in game five. Cause let's face it in game five, I thought when they went down three, nothing in the first period, I thought they folded. I did. And again, I don't know what, who that was on the ice that night. I don't know what team that was, but that's the first time I think I ever said to myself post game, wow, did they just fold there? Did they just like pack it in? Cause it looked like they did. Um, last night down two nothing second period at home, do or die game. They could have, they could have done the same thing. Instead, what did they do? They just kept coming. They kept coming. They kept to their system. They stayed patient. Um, the lightning kind of backed in way too much as Barzal came across the blue line on the drop pass to Everly screen backhander. All of a sudden it's two one. The Coliseum starts rocking again. Pieces of it start falling off. <laughs> and, um, and then the, and you, you saw it again in the third period where they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. I saw a lot of things today about the lightning sitting back and trying to protect the lead and playing too defensive. I, I didn't, I don't think that was the case. I just think that the Islanders just didn't allow them to do anything once that third period rolled along. And once Mayfield got that goal, I really don't think there was anybody in that building or anybody on the outside that would have thought the Islanders were losing that hockey game. You mentioned the first goal from Jordan Eberle, and I want to bring up something that I posted onto the Chelsea Square Twitter last night as, as I was watching the game. If you watch that play again, David Savard, who, by the way, the Lightning traded a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick to get to be able to fit his salary and, and all of that uh, onto the team. They traded a lot to get David Savard. Right before that first goal, David Savard, instead of challenging the shooter, kept backing up. Yep. And what that did was screen Vasilevsky and give Jordan Eberle a, a lot of ice to work with yep. in the middle of the slots. Yeah, that's correct. You're absolutely right. It's a good analysis and, of that play. And because of that, Vasilevsky couldn't see the shot. It was a very stoppable shot, but Vasilevsky, because he couldn't see it, gave Jordan Eberle so much time and so much space to get that shot off. And Vasilevsky had no idea where the shot was coming from because he's got this tall dude that's <laughs> on his team standing right in front of him, even though he should be closer to Eberle. There's nobody backing Savard down. Savard is backing himself down. And he's yep. right by the paint, whereas Eberly is right by the middle of the circles. Like he is prime time real estate in the middle of the slot. Nobody's covering him. Well, that should be Savard's guy. That's now where Savard is. And Eberly scored to, to cut the lead two to one. Now, fast forward to the Scott Mayfield goal. Who is on the ice for Tampa Bay once again? It is David Savard. Now, Scott Mayfield has a lot of ice to move into when he gets the puck uh, along the blue line. And if you watch the replay again, you'll see that Scott Mayfield came in, right? And David Savard, now, it, watching the play again, there's a lot of things happening in the middle of the ice. So the, the idea of Scott Mayfield completing a cross-ice pass is zero. It's not going to happen. There's a lot. There's so many bodies out in front. I mean, maybe if you throw it, it into the middle, it could ricochet or whatever. But the, the idea of a cross-ice pass is not happening in that situation, especially because it's Scott Mayfield. If it was 
Nathan McKinnon or if it was, you know, whoever, maybe a little bit of, of a different story. But it, it, Sky Mayfield, I mean, for for all the things that he is, he's just definitely not Nathan McKinnon. Uh, uh, well, I mean, maybe he is with that shot that he, that he scored on. <laughs> but David Savard, for the second time, he allowed Scott Mayfield to walk into a position where he could pull a shot off like that. And again, Vasilevsky, like there's there's only so much you can do in that situation because that shot was a perfect shot. It was barred down. I mean, top cheddar where mom keeps her cookies like that. That was a, a crisp shot. But David Savard, instead of attacking the player with the puck, he caved in and he just put a stick on the ice to prevent the cross ice pass. But it was never coming. And that allowed yeah, Mayfield right. to come in and get the shot off and we got a tie game. And neither of those goals happen if David Savard was a little bit more aggressive to the puck handler. The first goal, without a doubt, he he just he 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 backed all the way up until he screened his own goaltender. And if you take away a goalie's eyes, I, I don't care if it's Vasilevsky or Ken Dryden or Martin Brodeur or any of the legends you, you know, Dominic Hoshik, any of the legends you want to rip off. If you take away a goalie's eyes, that that's really the key to everything. Um, in the, especially in today's NHL when the rink hasn't gotten bigger, but the players have gotten substantially bigger. Um, on the second goal, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, 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 well, the first goal, you're absolutely right. The second goal, I'll say this McDonough's got Komarov in front and he's got him pretty well tied up. Komarov's stick is free, but He's he's pretty much on him like glue. And I think, you know, Matt Barzal obviously makes that whole play. And he had a terrific third period last night. Um, he, he just came out and made the whole game. He played fantastic, making amends for his game five gaff when he cross checked uh, Jan Ruda in the face. But um, he makes the pass to Mayfield. Mayfield comes down kind of just outside the circle. You're right. Savard goes down to block a pass to a guy who was completely blanketed in front of the net at the same time. If you're a defenseman, there's no way you're expecting that puck to go in. (laughs) There's just no way. Um, There's not many guys who, who could have pulled that shot off. And I'm sure if you were to talk to Scott Mayfield today, he would probably tell you that if he takes that shot 99 more times, he misses 99 times. Right. Um, so it was kind of like a perfect storm of 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 sorts on that goal. Um, you know, I don't think the Islanders had a lot of tremendous point blank scoring chances last night. At the same time, I don't think Vasilevsky, especially over the last couple of games, again taking out the eight nothing anomaly, I, I don't think he's been especially sharp. I think there's been a couple of goals that that he would probably love to have back. Whereas I think man to man, one to one, looking at games one to four and game six, um, you can almost make the case that Simeon Varlamov has outplayed Andre Vasilevsky to, to a certain degree. Um, and in the playoffs, that's really what wins you a series. Goaltending, I always tell my son too, I tell him the same thing. I said, you cannot win a Stanley Cup in this league without goaltending and luck. I truly believe that. I don't care whether you're the most offensively powerful team in the league, Colorado Avalanche, eliminated. I don't care whether you're the most defensively stout team in the league. It's all about goaltending and luck. You cannot win the Stanley Cup without those two things. Right now, the Islanders are getting the goaltending. They've gotten the goaltending this whole tournament. 
Um, and you know, outs yes, the lightning you could say have gotten the bounces in this series. They've gotten a three pinball type goals, actually four pinball type goals in the last two games. Um, however, the Islanders have gotten some puck luck of their own lately. So I think that, you know, going into tomorrow night's game seven, it's, it's really all hands on deck. It's like Barry Trotz said prior to game six, he said, the lightning can light you up. He said, they are that good. He goes, everybody, and he stressed everybody has to play their best game. You cannot have one guy off his game. And I think that's what you saw last night. And the Islanders are going to need that kind of effort again, because I can guarantee you the lightning are not going to go down. If the light, if the lightning go down, they're not going down quietly. Hey, this is Andrew from the future. Real quick word from DraftKings and Manscaped, and we'll be right back with the conversation with Andy Graziano. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. Offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1. And if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign Sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. Promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out inside credits restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT this important psa is brought to you by manscaped.com summer's coming are you ready to unveil your beach bod well that's why i'm going to the gym you're in luck our friends at manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package which includes the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming the sun is shining and calling your name fellas join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for a hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code chell c-h-e-l chell manscaped performance package 4.0 inside this package you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant 
crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new performance package 4.0 includes the new lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is insane, and dare I say, the goat of ball trimmers. Yeah, I said it. It's in the copy, but also I use it, and it's exceptional. So. I guess it is the goat of ball trimmers because I don't really know which other companies there are, but Manscaped got the goat. I got to be honest here. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0. The Manscaped boxers, which again, let me let me say, let me tell you, I got no reason to lie to you. These boxers are so soft. They are ridiculous. I don't know how they make them. I, I'm going to be, I'm not saying this because they're, they're a sponsor. The boxers are so soft. They're great and you will love them. As well as the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHELL, C-H-E-L, CHELL, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code CHELL at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Talking to Andy Graziano, the phenomenal writer for the NYI Hockey Now. Now, what do you think about this is a few days old now but i want to get your take on it because i mean this that game six kind of highlights the problem that is is with this Mm -hmm. but what do you think about david quinn getting three points towards the jack adams award and barry trotz getting one I mean, th- there's there's so many things wrong with this list. And again, like I don't want I don't mean to pick on David Quinn. I don't mean like DJ Smith got three, got four points. Yeah. Barry Trotz gets one, one point. I mean, like, are am I having a stroke? Like, what is ha- what is happening with this with this award? I mean, have people not understood how incredible of a coach Barry Trotz is? Now, I'm not saying that he should have won over Rod Brindamore or whoever else that you want that you think is is deserving of that award. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, definitely should have gotten more than just a single third place vote. That's a disgrace. Yeah, I, I don't. I've had a couple of years um, when I was a member of the PHWA where I I, I got some votes in there. Um, I, I don't know if everybody is at this point taking it as seriously as they should, um, or respecting the process in taking it as seriously as they should. Um, I, I think I don't think the Islanders had a great regular season, right? And they they really, when you look at it, they really didn't. Um, I was one of those guys who. At the end of the way the Islanders finished up the the last 30 games or so of the 56 game schedule, I didn't think they could just turn the switch. I really didn't. Uh, I wasn't feeling too confident that they would be able to just flip the switch into playoff mode and and make this the kind of a run that they've made all the way to game seven of the Eastern Conference final, which is what I will always call it, by the way. Uh, So let's just get that clear. Uh, (laughs) um, So or the conference final, I should say. so I, I think that might have went against Trotz to a certain degree, but I do agree with you that him getting less votes than a team who didn't make the playoffs. And while I thought the Rangers had, for their standards, a good season, um, I, I still can't see a non-playoff team getting 
a non-playoff team's coach getting more points than Barry Trotz got. However, again, I think that's just more of a function of the voters themselves just really not taking the process as seriously as they should, in which case maybe the, the PHWA should rethink the process. I agree. We've seen it before. We've seen it before with the other awards, right? The Norris trophy always goes to the highest scoring defenseman. The Hart trophy always goes to the highest scoring forward. That doesn't just because you scored the most points doesn't necessarily define the true definition of the award. Right. Um, so I think that it, it, it might be time to change the process and, and maybe start getting start getting votes for players who truly fit the description of what the award was even created for. I mean, you're, you're talking to the right person in terms of the Norris trophy being a joke because crazy. I, I, I have said that I, I, this is my 120th episode on the, of this, of the show. And I think in every single episode that I've ever done, I destroy the Norris trophy because for, for as long as we've been alive, the Norris trophy supposedly is given out to the best defenseman. If you right. score the most points, that doesn't mean that you've Correct. defended better than other exactly. defensemen. I don't know who needs to hear this, and I feel like I'm talking <laughs> to a wall sometimes because I've said, I've been screaming this from the rooftops every single time I get behind the mic. Whoever I talk to, I, I find a way to bring it up. I'll talk to, I'll scream at the wall at four in the morning about how much of a joke the NARS trophy is because the, the, the amount of points a defenseman scores is not a, is not a valid I- indication of how well you've defended your own zone that is the point of being a defenseman is how is to defend your own zone well and you look at it you look at it in the case of of the rangers adam fox for instance who i thought had a terrific season right 47 points one behind tyson barry for the league lead for defensemen over the course of the regular season adam fox had an absolutely terrific offensive season is he a better defenseman than, let's say, Victor Hedman? Yeah, he is. Right? He is. He is. And not only and like I, I know where you're going with this, and I'm going to disagree with you because if you <laughs> if you look at the analytics, yep, Victor Hedman did not have a great season this year. He had an average season this year for Victor Hedman. That's not great for for an average defenseman. That's fine for Victor Hedman. He is in the fi- he he's in the finalist because his name is Victor Hedman and because of who he is, not because of how great of a season he had. I watched a lot of Adam Fox, and without Adam Fox, as did I, unfortunately, because as you know, I live with Ranger fans. So. Of course, and and <laughs> without Adam Fox, the Rangers might have finished with six points. I mean, this guy created so much offensively, yes, but also the, the, you cannot, it's immeasurable how vital and crucial he was to the blue line of the New York Rangers. I mean, this guy made so many defensive plays, small plays, big plays, you name it. And these things don't show up in the score sheet, but he, I, 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 watching him, I was blown away by the things that he did nearly every shift. And that, and I'm not saying that, you know, because he's Adam Fox and because like I grew up a Rangers fan, like that's not, that's not why I'm saying this. He's the, the reason why is I, I will trash 
Jack John, I'll trash Jack Johnson for being not good on the ice. You know, like it's not because of the the team. It's because of how I wa- how good uh, and just mind mind blowingly great Adam Fox was two hundred feet of the ice every single game, pretty much. I mean, wh- his game that this season to me and. There's a lot of other candidates that, that were that are were great as well, and maybe should have gotten the nomination over uh, over uh, Victor Hedman. But of the three, as 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 impressive as everybody else has been, I cannot think of us of an of another defenseman that impressed me on both ends of the ice as much as Adam Fox did. But here's the thing: going back to our our our, our case against the current state of how the awards are voted on. You have a lot of PHWA members voting for that award that have not seen Adam Fox as much as you have. And I think that just kind of drives our point home and that I think at the end of the day, the criteria for voting needs to be changed. It just absolutely needs to be changed. You're asking a PHWA member that might cover the Kings, for instance, in Los Angeles, who this year did not see Adam Fox at all. I really doubt that guy's going home to his apartment or his home in in L.A. or wherever in California he might live and turning on the Ranger game. (laughs) So yet you're asking this person to submit a legitimate ballot for the Norris Trophy with players on the ballot that he probably saw a couple of times this year, if, if at all. So I think that and I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know yet. I haven't really given thought to what I think the logical solution might be. However, it's clear that the process needs to be changed. I mean, I agree with you. It's just, it's impossible. And I think it's too much to ask for a reporter that covers the Minnesota Wild, for example, to be like, okay, well, a lot of Coyotes fans were clamoring to get Jacob Chikrin some attention. Yep. Because he was, he's been tremendous all season. He was outstanding. He was their rock, and he was that he was their best defenseman. I agree. And Coyotes fans were trying to get people to pay attention. Are are we here? Are we here? Are we sitting here and and thinking that the Minnesota Wild reporter or or whoever that isn't directly tied to the Coyotes in some way is? Like you said, are we here to suggest that somebody's going to come home after spending a whole day covering their team, going home and watching a Coyotes game? <laughs> right. It's not happening. Right. And right. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't know what the solution is. I feel like people that make more money than we do will figure this out. But but at the end of the day, whatever it is now, the the way of voting for some of these awards some of these votes some of these awards are easier to vote on than others but in terms of like best defenseman i mean you got a lot of you got to watch a ton of hockey to have a legitimate consensus answer and for as of right now that's not what the voting is for right so i i agree with you there's there's a there's a, a disconnect between the the award itself and how we're voting on it and you're absolutely right. And I want to ask you about this beer thing because Edzo after the game was having a meltdown on, on the broadcast. And I, and I understand where he's coming from. 
I don't, I'm not here to, to trash Edzo or anybody else that has a similar view because I, I get where they're coming from. Y- your team just won a game six in the conference final. I guess not the Eastern Conference final because Montreal is not <laughs> in the East. I don't know. Whatever. That's weird. Uh, but your team just won game six of a conference final game to force a game seven in overtime. And the fans throw beer cans on the ice. I completely understand where Edzo and those guys are coming from. And I'm not saying I disagree with them either. Because at the end of the day, the people that have to clean that up, you got to feel bad. You got you to feel for them. Because beer is sticky. It's, <laughs> it's, it's gross. It smells bad. Especially, especially like, you know, it once, once you finish your can and you got like that little bit left on left on the bottom, it smells bad. You don't want to deal with it. You just throw it away. Now imagine having to clean up hundreds of, of those cans across the ice, across the stands. I mean, you got to feel for those, the, the people that clean, uh, clean up after the arena. What is your stance on this beer can flinging thing? And why do you think the fans did it? Because I, I understand the the perspective from, from the Islanders, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter today of, oh, well, the, the, the team loved it. It's just part of the, the, the aura that is Long Island. I mean, what is your stance on it? Clear this out for me because I can see both sides of this. I could tell you now the players didn't love it. Um, right. uh, I can that, say that. <laughs> I would assume so. Um, Cal, Cal, Cal Clutterbuck was one that was extremely annoyed at it. He had to actually knock a can out of the air with his stick as it was hurtling towards him. Um, I know a couple of fans in the lower bowl that actually got hit with debris um, coming from the upper deck. Um, I don't look, I, I it, this doesn't matter whether this is not exclusive to the Islanders, Long Island, I feel this way in sports in general, any sport, any city. I, I, I think it's ridiculous throwing things on the ice, whether it be jerseys, um, cans, anything. It, it's ridiculous, and it puts the players in a precarious spot. Um, anyone who's ever played hockey knows that when you're on those ice and you're, and you're on your blades, anything other than frozen water beneath your blades is dangerous. <laughs> it's reason why we wear skate protectors when we walk on concrete and ice skates, right? Um, it's the reason why, for instance, coins are so dangerous when they're thrown on the ice. Um, I've seen it happen. It's happened right in front of me. Um, so I don't agree with what they did. I, I'm, I can't sit here and pretend that I know the answer why they did it. I, I think alcohol it, it, intake had a lot to do with it. I think a momentary moment of euphoria had a lot to do with it. Don't forget. These are fans who have been through the ringer. Um, and, and I'm not making excuses for them or for anybody and keep, let's keep in mind also that there were 14,000 people there last night. This was probably perpetrated by 50 to 75 of those 14,000. Um, so I think it was, it was, it was a moment of, it was a, just a moment of pure euphoria euphoria because they don't know whether they're going to see this team play in this building again. Um, game seven is in Tampa. Sure. If the Islanders win, they move on to the final. There's more games at the Coliseum, but what if they don't, then that was the very last time that you'll ever see a game 
I still think there'll be a, there'll, there'll be a couple. But I, I don't think UBS is going to be ready for October. They're saying now. I'm hearing more November. So I think the whole last game at the Coliseum thing might be a bit overblown. But uh, that's kind of if that's what they're reading in the media, that's what they're going to believe. Um, but I can say this: I don't I don't care for any kind of debris thrown on the ice in any city, in any arena, in any sport. I don't care for the sometimes ridiculous abuse I've heard play, fans hurl at players. I don't believe in in abusing a player on social media. I'm not really a fan of any of that. And I think that last night's beer can throwing incident just kind of fits into all of that um, uh, under kind of a wider umbrella, let's say. Um, so that's you know that's kind of my feelings. I mean, I you know at, when it first happened, I, I I I put a tweet out there that simply said, you know, be better. You, you're basically endangering your own team um, and just be better. Um, it got mostly positive feedback. <laughs> I'm not going to say it got all positive feedback, but mostly positive feedback. Um, but yeah, I've, I've kind of put, I, I, I put all of that, um, you know, personal insults at players and, and throwing stuff on the ice, all sports, all cities. I put it all under one umbrella. I, I, I don't believe in it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's senseless. I don't see the point. Um, some people were saying, oh, all the cans were empty. Empty beer cans, I don't know if anybody knows this, don't travel that well. <laughs> You're not throwing an empty beer can from the upper deck onto the ice. It just doesn't have that much trajectory to it because it doesn't have the weight. So, again, the people defending it, they're going to defend it, thinking it was the right thing to do. Maybe it's an entitlement thing. Maybe they feel that they deserve to do it. I can't speak for why they did it. Um, I, I could tell you that, like I said, alcohol had a lot to do with it and euphoria had a lot to do with it. Um, and I think Anthony Beauvillier kind of had the, had the line of the night, right? When he goes, you know, we came out for overtime. It smelled like cigarettes. Now we're, we just won and it smells like beer. <laughs> so I think if that's not the Nassau Coliseum in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Um, it does kind of make me think, however, if, Capital IF, if the Islanders get past this game seven tomorrow night, move on to the final. And if capital IF, they end up winning the Stanley Cup. If that's what they did last night, what are they going to do then? Now, you're talking to someone who was right in the middle of the four Stanley Cups, the five straight trips to the finals. Granted, I was a lot younger at that age. I was between the ages of nine and 12 when they were winning um, and going to five straight finals the dynasty. However, I could tell you this as a fact, even back then when the rules around this stuff, and I, I'm doing air quotes when I say rules were looser, you still didn't see any of this garbage, right? Think, think back to sports at that time in the early eighties. What you saw was some fans hopped the glass, went up to the players, gave them a hug. The players were like, yeah, okay, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> you didn't see any of this, this throwing stuff on the ice. I don't know where that came from or what, why they thought that was a good idea or why they thought that was a logical idea. Because again, I, I came from a time when the Islanders were the best team in the land for five years in a row and they won four cups in a row. And there was never, an, never anything thrown on the ice. Nonetheless, a beer can. So uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that and move on from it to game seven. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best possible way to look at it. I mean, they don't throw things on the ice. 
dude. That's it. Pretty I, simple. I, I don't. I, I totally agree with you. And at, at the end of the day, uh, even if the players liked it, let, even, though, even though they don't, let's make this clear. They clearly did not. Even if they did, let's not throw beer cans on the ice. I feel like this is not the, a difficult ask. I feel like this is not an outrageous ask. This is just common sense. Don't throw beer cans onto the ice. Uh, there's some teams that have exceptions, right? The, the, the Red Wings have the octopus. The, uh, the Florida Panthers have the rats, the plastic rats. But that's different. It's not beer cans. I'll tell you that. And the Islanders are not going to make that into a tradition of throwing beer cans onto the ice after a win like the Red Wings or the Panthers have with their traditions. It's not the same thing. And Yeah, I don't know if it's really – I mean, I, I don't know if you can say it's not the same thing. It's, it's not similar in the sense of what's being thrown on the ice, but, you know, objects thrown on the ice or objects thrown on the ice, you know? I think you, 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 you kind of could say it that way too. Yes, but with the, with an octopus, I mean, there's like what one <laughs> octopus being thrown, maybe two if people are feeling frisky. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. you know, the not e- not everybody yeah, has. This is incomparable. I agree. Right. I agree. The, there's unless like I mean I don't know maybe eighteen thousand. <laughs> Unless everybody right, right, in the stands right. Right. are buying, yeah. are buying octop- is it octopi, octopuses? I don't know. But if if they're and then, and then sneaking it into the building, which is even more gross when you think about it. Yeah, I mean the Preds have the catfish, and people are taping yep. it to their leg. I don't know. They're doing some weird things. Unbelievable with food. It's crazy. But uh, one last <laughs> one last question before I let you go. Uh, you've been and Andy, you've been phenomenal. Uh let's say like you said if capital IF the Islanders yep. win game 7. And I think they can. Let's just make that clear. It's, I I say if because I always kind of play that hedge card, but I I do think they can. Kucherov or no Kucherov, I think they can I think they could they could play with this team if they stick to their game. Anything can happen in Game 7. As we know, yep. as you know, as I know, as everybody knows, Game 7, everything's on the table. Yep. If the Islanders win Game 7, which team is the better matchup Here it comes. for the Islanders? Is it the... I mean, I have to ask. I mean, of course. You, you knew it was coming. <laughs> we all knew it was coming. And yet, here's the question. Which is the better matchup for the Islanders? Is it the Vegas Golden Knights or the Cinderella story, 2012 LA Kings, Montreal Canadiens. I'll say this. Um, they're, 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 they're two very different teams, right? Um, Vegas is kind of that big, heavy team that I didn't think Montreal could play with prior to the series starting. Um, I totally blew my prediction there. Uh, I had Vegas in five. I totally blew that. Um, because I really didn't think that Montreal, a smaller, team was going to be able to handle Vegas's size and heaviness that Vegas has to their game. Um, but what Montreal has done is turned around and played very similar to the Islanders in the sense of they play a very defensive first game, a very disciplined game in the neutral zone. They forecheck, but don't over forecheck. So just, you know, they kind of play like maybe a one, two, two modified one, two, two. Um, and they've been able to really, really shut Vegas down through the neutral zone, especially. Um, and that's led them to being on the brink of, of the Stanley cup final with game six tonight. Um, so 
like if you were to if I asked me this before both of these series started, I would have said Vegas. But I think that Montreal, with the system that they're playing and with the unbelievably fast growth that we've seen out of Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and the incredible chemistry that they've developed together in such a short time makes them. And let's not forget how Carey Price has all of a sudden turned back the clock 10 years um, makes them a very, very scary kind of opponent. You kind of get this thinking when you think of the Montreal Canadiens 2021, that they're kind of this karmic, like you just said perfectly, that LA Kings team, this just kind of karmic team that, that is just on this fantasy run that, that just can't be slowed down. So that makes them a scary opponent. So if you would have asked me beforehand, I would have easily said without hesitation, Vegas, um, right now with the way Vegas is, has been proven to be able to be shut down in the neutral zone and with how bad their power play has been. Um, I'm kind of thinking that they might be, if the Islanders were to pull this off tomorrow night, um, that actually might be, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that actually might be the better matchup. Andy Graziano. You can find him on Twitter at Andy Graz underscore 19. NYI hockey now. I mean, if you're not following this guy, I don't know what you're doing. And I'm not saying this because he's on the podcast. I'm saying this because I've been following him for years and years now. He's been on the show, what, I mean, multiple times before. And there's a reason why I keep bringing him on. And it's, again, not because he's sitting here and we're talking about hockey and he's a friend of the show. I'm bringing him on because he, you've you've heard it because Andy is so knowledgeable and because I love talking to him and if you don't follow him what are you doing what are you doing but uh, you could you could read his stuff on NY hockey now he's incredible Andy you're incredible for real and again for the seventh time in the last 50 seconds I'm not saying this because you're here <laughs> uh, I'm saying this because I mean it and I really appreciate you hopping on give me a few minutes of your time here and this is going to be a very exciting couple of days in the world of the NHL. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. And this has been episode number 120 of Cho Square number 121 coming up real soon. I'll talk to you then.